2: That song in 1973, and uh, we're going to do a little memory lane tonight. Actually, and
1: uh, uh, I'm very excited about our guest, Gunner. Welcome. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing uh, well. How are things up? In, how are
2: things in Portland?
1: You know what? I'll tell you what. We're doing well. You know, and uh, post the Tony Kriz interview from a couple weeks ago, right? I mean, yeah. uh, Portland is uh, just that great place, and a lot of amazing things happening here, but. You know, I'm excited. You know, every time I hear that song, John, that's like one of my favorite songs of yours. I mean, it's just, it's just, man, I get tapping the fingers, I get going, and I'm so excited that "Still Life" that we've got that available now to download. It's such a, that's a, I mean, 1973 is that when that came out? Yeah, it did. It did. And it's, and that song there, I mean, "Matthew's Blues." I mean, you think about how, where we are in this day and age and time, you know, boy, there's a lot of a timely message in that song that's kind of. Stood the test of time, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. It just uh, asks a lot of questions and points to the kingdom of God. And yeah. uh you know, um that was fun. It was fun putting that together and, and uh I uh I, I, I wrote that song anticipating a uh, evangelistic uh emphasis in South Africa in yeah. uh Rhodestown and oh. uh Grant, Grant, uh Grant, uh Rhodes university in grahamstown i get those mixed up but it was Rhodes yeah. university and uh gosh it was that was amazing you know and because it, it, the jesus movement was in south africa it was everywhere yeah. mm. um in, in those years and uh it was it was an exciting time yeah. and uh i i am anxious I'm so anxious to get to our guests. I, I don't want to I don't want to chat anymore
0: John, because I
2: just <laughs> well, I'm well, so excited to, to have this brother with us uh
1: tonight and um John, you should, know, we, he, should we should he, we let the the, the the guests in case there's, there's people listening tonight uh, let them know about a a call-in number tonight yes. too before we jump in? Yeah, please. Please let yeah, them know absolutely. the call-in number. Mhm. Yeah, the, 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 if you're is, listening to the, if you're listening to the podcast, the, the, the blog talk radio tonight, you can call in and speak to our uh, to John and our special guest who's going to introduce you in a moment. Then call in number six four six seven one six five seven two one. And uh, John, I'm going to sit back and let you kind of take it from here and just tell us about our our, our exciting guest tonight.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, this this does take me back, and um, our guest tonight is uh, a, a Mylon Seaver, and uh, Mylon has been in 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 music since uh, well early late '60s, uh, I think was when he got when he got going, and uh, even earlier than that as a family singing group and southern gospel and southern gospel music, and um, I, I really want to actually start out with uh, a little, some of those questions. But first, uh, I just want to hear your voice, Mylon. I'd love to hear you talk. You just have that great southern gentlemanly drawl. Welcome to Block Talk Radio.
3: <laughs> Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be with you guys, brother.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, it's been fun, Mylon, and, and I haven't even told you this, is that, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of admired you from afar. I. We've been at a couple events in the '70s and '80s together. Right. Maybe festivals. Yeah, festivals. Maybe we said yeah. hello or something. I've yeah. always had I've always admired you, and uh, I think I I've always loved your evangelist heart. And um, uh, but I, you know, you were you were the rocker. I was a the little the, the little folky guy, you know, over in the corner, and so I was always intimidated. By, by you, Mylon So, you know, I I probably probably didn't didn't know what to say if I was around you then. And it's really kind of nice that in these last few a couple couple years we've uh, connected a lot more, and I've gotten to know you a little bit. And I just I just love you, brother.
3: Well, I love I really you too, do. man. I was always to I was drawn to you and to your music. Um, as you know, I I wasted a lot of years um pursuing a career in music and and that was all about me and when i really surrendered my life to jesus by the time i met you i had completely surrendered my life to the lord and i and i was so tired of just music um that i wanted to know the people who were all about jesus and that's mm. why i was drawn to you you were not just singing you weren't just trying to sell records or or become a mm. star or make a hit. You were trying to help somebody to get to heaven. And I love yeah. that about you, John.
2: That's great. Thank you. Well it's a mutual it's a mutual thing. Now Maryland, you you started with a gospel singing family. You know, this whole southern gospel world is is something that most people don't know anything about. You know, I, I don't. I, I grew up in California and you know, I think you have to be in the deep south, I guess. Oh yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was what those early years with your family and, and what what that was like?
3: Well, it was sort of the music was, um, some of it came out of the black church, but it was also mixed in with all the, the rhythm and blues that comes out of the south naturally and the bluegrass that comes out of the hills of Tennessee and Kentucky. Mm-hmm. My daddy and my uncle were from Tennessee, so they played mandolins and fiddles, you know, and, um, John, I know you know the only difference in a fiddle and a violin is who's playing it, and uh <laughs> you know so when when they played the kind of music that they played from the hill, they were hillbillies and they played mm-hmm. hillbilly music and and when they mixed that with the country and the rhythm and blues, that's what southern gospel music is and My parents had the first t v show when I was a teenager um, they had the first. Gospel TV show that was syndicated that went around the whole United States. They were on 126 wow. TV stations, and and previous to that, Sunday morning would be like preachers and the news. You know what I mean? Because there weren't that many channels in those days anyway, and yeah. uh, so they had the first gospel singing TV show, and and it did. Not, I was in a group called the Stamps Quartet, who later on backed up Elvis. Oh yeah, and um, then at about. Uh, you know, after Elvis cut one of my songs uh, and Johnny Cash, a bunch a in those days, country acts cut gospel albums. All the mm. guys like Porter Wagner, all the, you know, the wagon wheels with the shiny coats and the bright colors, all those guys did country, uh, gospel albums. And oh. believe it or not, their gospel albums usually sold better than their hits. Elvis wow. sold a whole lot more gospel records than he did his rock and roll records.
2: And, so and, you know, Mylon, was that you know? Is there was there gospel in that? I mean, like in your family, w- was your family into the music or were they into the gospel? Uh,
3: and, they know, were I, into the gospel. I, my my okay. mother and father were definitely into the gospel. They had my granddaddy start his church. Now they uh-huh. weren't mature, you know. I, I they didn't study. They didn't go to Bible school and really grow up much, you know. Mm-hmm. I think they uh, they ended up. Um, I didn't know it at the time. We didn't know it at the time, but you find out when you're tested whether you pass the test or not. Mm. You know, so, mm-hmm. um, but for the most part, you know, uh, I, I was I turned I was born in 1944, so I started writing songs, John, at about 13, 14 years old. That would have been 57, 58, and the mm-hmm. church in the Bible Belt. In 1957, 58 was not about to let a young kid play no. any syncopated music of any kind on a guitar, as they were, as far as they were concerned, that was the devil's music. Until the right. Jesus came along in California, um, you know, it was so old-time religion, and it was the music was so old and the the i mean i was i grew up in a pentecostal church my mother was not allowed to cut her hair and they weren't al- women weren't allowed to wear makeup and mm. you couldn't you couldn't go to movies and you couldn't go to you know you couldn't play monopoly because it had dice and you couldn't play uh <laughs> rook cards because it was cards you know i mean you could you there was a whole lot there was more of what you couldn't do Mm-hmm. And there was nothing about. There wasn't much teaching on the love of God or the goodness of God, and so mm-hmm. there was just a bunch of rules, you know, that I, I wanted to just. As soon as that, here's the bottom line, though, creative people like you and me were not allowed to be creative in the church in the in the late fifties in mm-hmm. Georgia. Right. So you could either go out in the world and they'd treat you like a hero and give you a lot of money, or you could stay mm-hmm. home and be persecuted. And be told that's the devil's music. So, yeah, you know, I left. And, well, and left, leaving, you, leaving my family and leaving the church was a mistake, but I didn't know it at the time.
2: Yeah, yeah. How, how, how? What kind of success did you have during that time when you were out there in the world? Much. I you, I don't remember what you did there.
3: I sold about four million records, but I didn't have any number one hits. I was just a road dog. You know, I signed with a company. Uh, Frank Barcelona had a company called Premier Talent, and my my manager, uh, uh, Felix Peppel, already had a band called Mountain. Felix had produced Cream, and that's where he made most of his money. He sold Cream's first album, Disraeli Gears, sold 9 million records, and then he started Mountain. He continued producing Cream and Mountain, and then he signed me and produced me. So I went out opening for Mountain, and then I went from the Mountain Tour to the Who Tour to the Stones to, um, you know, I toured with Traffic, I toured with Yes, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. You know, we were just constantly, um, uh, you know, and then the festivals and in the summertime, you'd be with the Everybody from the Grateful Dead to the Beach Boys. I mean, because they'd put all kinds of music Mm -hmm. together at those things. You know, the Doobie Brothers and uh, I toured once with Grand Funk. I mean, there was just a whole bunch of different kinds. So I ended up selling about four million records, but I got strung out. You know the the -hmm. problem, John. The problem in the South in those days was radio. White radio played white music. And black radio played black music in the South.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: and the schools were black or white, and the churches were black or white. So mm-hmm. when you're a white kid from Georgia and you grow up listening, I mean, I have some of the best music in the world. Uh, we had Little Richard. We had Otis Redding. We had James Brown. We had Gladys Knight and the Pips. We had Ray Charles. But as you can tell, it was all black music. So... Mm-hmm. So I would be listening to Little Richard, and he would write a song like Long Tall Sally, and man, it was amazing. Or you could get on the white station, you could hear Pat Boone recording of Long Tall Sally. And Pat Boone, I love Pat, he's my buddy, you know, he's a good man, he loves Jesus. But if you listen to Little Richard and Pat Boone do Long Tall Sally, you can hear one of them, but you can feel the other one. (laughs) And so I grew up making, I wanted to make music you could hear and feel. Uh And that just was not going to be allowed at the white church. So there was just no place to be creative for a young person. So I just, uh, you know, uh, if we went roller skating, and, uh, you know, in those days they'd have like Dean Martin, Mm But if Little Richard came on, we had to go sit down because that was the devil's music. Oh, so I just grew yeah. up thinking this is yeah. crazy, and um, yeah. and I decided I'm going to do something about this. My first my first rock and roll record was called We Believe, and it was on okay. Atlantic Records. So it was a it was it a was Christian a, album.
2: It was a Christian album, and and why why were they interested in that?
3: You know, uh, that, man, they were playing it backwards. Are you kidding? Huh. No, the the rock and rollers loved our band. I mean, we we did great. But the Christians just did what they always do, you know, they judge you and they come mm-hmm. after. You. Unfortunately, um unfortunately, the religious people came after us. So I I wasn't I didn't get along with them. Um, mm-hmm. you know. Well, now when you um, went
2: on, though, your, your albums after that, did did you did you get less and less uh of a Christian message in your music, as you
3: oh as sure you
2: want to
3: you, you kind of uh, the that. more that the more records we sold and the more they paid me, the more pressure they put on me to write songs. And and you know, when you're a poor kid from Georgia and you live in a trailer, and you mm-hmm. get out there and you start um, and you meet Eric Clapton and he invites you to his castle and George Harrison and Alvin Lee. I did a bunch of tours with ten years after. You start going to these people's houses and uh, and they're big as a hospital or a hotel and you're riding around in their Rolls Royces and they treat you like an equal, then, um, mm. you know, you you want to. So these guys were all into herbs and spices and I started getting stoned. And, yeah. uh, I, you know, I wanted to be accepted by them and I wanted to be one of them. And I was just smoking a little dope in the beginning. But by the time it was over, man, I was strung out and dying, you know. But mm. it it, uh. It, it just took what, over uh, my life, man.
2: So, what brought you around?
3: Mine. I went to a concert by a band called. The Se- Remember Buck Herring with the second chapter of Acts?
2: Oh, of course.
3: Buck Herring called me. I, I was out, out. Me and Alvin Lee had done an album together on Columbia Records called On the Road to Freedom. And we had written a bunch of songs together when I was opening for 10 years after. And uh, Ronnie Woods from the Rolling Stones played guitar on that record. George Harrison from the Beatles played guitar. Uh, our drummers were Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac and Ian Wallace from King Crimson. The bass player was Boz Burrell from Bad Company, and the keyboard was Steve Winwood from Traffic and oh my God. Alvin Lee and me and, and me. and it was a really good band. I mean, it was one of the beginnings. It was 1970, 71 uh, it came out, I think, early 71. And we were touring we were touring the country doing a promotional tour to prepare for our, you know, our band was going to tour. Uh, we mm-hmm. did, uh, in those days, you did things like we did um, Midnight Special in London and uh, Rock Concert. There were a few TV shows in those days that you did. And we were in L.A., and you know, I was a heroin addict at the time, and I'd been up uh, a couple of days, and I... I ran into some bandmates of Andre Crouches. A yeah. couple of guys, Hadley Hawkins Smith and uh, and Fledge Wiley. And uh-huh. they invited me to go to church with them. I was used to staying up all night anyway, so I went to the church on the way and I was just stoned to the bone and I sat behind hmm. um I sat behind Buck Herring and Annie Herring at the church on the way. Wow. And, uh, and you know, Buck had long hair in those days, and he's a big, tall guy, and I sat behind him, he kept his hands up, I kept having to look around him, I couldn't see what was going on. <laughs> and he was always praising the Lord and worshiping God, and after church, we were outside just hanging around talking, and he came up and he said, hey man, aren't you mine, I got your album, and he invited me over to his house for lunch. And I didn't know it but he invited me over there to minister to me and of course we got hanging out and he invited me to come out to LA and sing background on a um who's the guitar player, he's a good friend of yours. Uh Love Broke Through was the name of the album. Oh. Uh, you know who I'm talking uh, about. It plays guitar, he uh, sounded like Paul McCartney but he, great guitar player.
2: Uh uh Phil.
3: Phil Kagey? Phil Kagey. He he was um yeah. Buck was producing Phil Kagey's album. So he yeah. asked me to come out there and he'd wake me up every morning and read the Bible to me for an hour. Made me drink <laughs> coffee and do a Bible study every morning. <laughs> and bottom line is he's the guy the the second chapter of Acts came to Atlanta
0: mm-hmm. and
3: um and I went to that concert and he explained the difference. Bucky explained the difference that night in knowing that there is a God and knowing that Jesus Christ is His Son and receiving him as your Savior and accepting him as your Lord and master and I wow. knew that I had never done that, and I got on my i I was back there in the back of the building under the balcony in the dark crying, and these guys had the joy of the Lord, and they all had long hair they weren't they never you know they didn't hassle me about. I still smoked cigarettes mm-hmm. in those days, I, you know, and I didn't, I didn't do dope around them. But they knew I was stoned. When you're a, when you're a kid and a in a, a heroin addict, you do dope all the time. It's not something you do every once in a while, mm-hmm. you know. So they knew I was stoned all the time, but they didn't hassle me for it. They just loved on me. And he's the guy mm-hmm. who led Middle Lord Second Chapter of Acts concert in 1980. Wow,
2: 1980. Okay, yeah. and then. And then everything kind of turned for you.
3: Oh, man, I quit rock and roll. I had to. You know, I couldn't be around the dope and the groupies. And the, yeah. I quit rock and roll where I was making, you know, six or eight grand a day. And I became a janitor at my church, making $175 a week, cleaning toilets. <laughs> and But I was going to Bible school there. They had a, they wow. had a class. Uh, they had a Bible school that you could go to. And so I became a janitor and started going to their little Bible school, and I started leading some pickers to the Lord around town because uh, I just didn't. When you're a junkie, you, you don't have any friends that don't get high. So when I got born again, I didn't have any friends to hang out with. And I was the janitor there at the church, but I had a few feet of hair. You know, I wore earrings. I didn't have any suits and ties. I didn't really fit in. This was sort of a fancy neighborhood, and so Lots of doctors and lawyers, and everybody wore suits and ties at this church in Georgia. And, of course, I didn't. and uh, So I just started leading my friends to the Lord until we had to either start a band or something. You know how pickers do. you just After Bible study, we'd jam. And if you start jamming, you start writing, and songs came out of it. So eventually cool. we had a little band. And that's what—that's how Broken Heart happened. We started, we got invited to um, minister a coach for a high school football team, asked us to come and minister to his team. And the whole team got born again. And oh my God. Wow. that coach told his the principal of school, and he advised us to come do a assembly, high school assembly. Ooh. And... We made a deal with them. In those days, there was this Nancy Reagan had this thing called "Just Say No" to drugs. Yeah. And so we could go into the high schools under the "Just Say No" program, and according mm. to them, you, all the principals would say, "Now you can't preach Jesus, but you can testify," which was the only thing we knew how to do anyway. You know, we had taken so many drugs, <laughs> we couldn't remember the Bible. We'd we'd study the Bible, get all excited, but we couldn't remember any of it. We'd have to read it to the kids, and um, but uh, it was too cool. <laughs> we we had we had thirty one hundred kids get born again the first year.
0: Oh my! That's and fantastic. the church
3: that we were going mm-hmm. to, our pastor said, "Well, look, you don't know what to do. If somebody gets saved, just bring them to our church, invite mm-hmm. them to go to church with you on Sunday night, and set up in the balcony." And we took over the balcony. In hmm. about four months, we completely took over the balcony, so they gave us the gym to the church, and that's where our ministry started in the in the gym there.
2: Wow. Well, now, where where was that? Where
3: Atlanta, Georgia, Mount Paran Church of God, okay. Atlanta, Georgia.
2: uh huh? Oh my gosh! Well, that's and then of course Christian music was was cranking by that time, and
3: it was doing so pretty good by had... then. Um, it was still. You know, nobody had light shows. Nobody had, uh, you know, we were the first to using pyros and and uh, and lights, and we made a deal with Hartley Peavy, who's a who's a Christian, and Peavy made all our gear. By not in the beginning. I mean, in the beginning, we didn't have hardly anything, you know. But um, but I did have good work ethic from rock and roll. The good thing that I learned in rock and roll, you know, there's no hypocrites in rock and roll, John.
0: Mm. Everybody's
3: living like the devil. Everybody's going to hell. Nobody's (laughs) pretending, you know what I mean? Everybody's hitting on each other's wife. They're all liars and manipulators. Nobody's, uh, you know, pretending to be goody-two-shoes. So, in a way, uh, it's really freeing because everybody is openly competitive, everybody wants to sell records everybody wants to make a hit everybody wants to have a good band so they work harder Hmm. there's a you know they don't play in bands they work in if you're going to be in a good band you know you get in a room with no clock and and you're not looking out the window and talking to your girlfriend you're rehearsing and writing and and you know you work out before you go on a tour and so I came out of that work ethic and I thought, hey, if people are going to go to heaven or hell because of whether or not we give them what they need, we got to earn the right to talk to them about Jesus. we got to put on such a good show and we got to become their friends and we got to make ourselves accessible and we got to be mm-hmm. transparent enough and humble enough to earn the right. Because we weren't going in churches. We never wanted to play to a youth yeah. group. We mm-hmm. wanted to go yeah. back to where ACDC and Poison and Rap played, and the Stones mm-hmm. and the Who. We wanted to go back to the gutter that Jesus saved us out of, and proclaim the gospel in those places. Yeah. You know, so you know, we. Yeah. Go ahead.
2: Well, I was just going to say that's that's the thing I've I think I've liked the most about you is that you somehow managed to avoid. Uh, you know, just singing to the nice Christian youth group crowd. And uh I, I was I've I'm wondered how how did you do that? How did that happen? Um there there just always seemed to be non Christians that would follow you guys around and uh or come to your concerts. So why why was that, do you think?
3: Well we we tried to be um my pastor once told me, John, he said, are you going to be a God-pleaser or a man-pleaser? Because you have to decide. And he said, if you want to please man, it will water down the anointing in your life. But if you're willing mm. to please God, you're going to ruffle some feathers. Religious people aren't going to like it. If you're going to push the envelope and you're going to do something for Jesus, then every mm. um, self-righteous, proud judgmental. You know, there's some people that just like, some Christians like to get offended. It doesn't matter what you do. They got offended at Jesus, and they're going to get offended at you. So you can either argue with them over what they're offended about, or you can try to placate them about what they're offended about, But or you can just realize they like to get offended, and there's nothing you can do about it, and just go and try to do the will of God, and hope that they, you know, pray for favor with them, and love on them, and forgive them, but go on and do what God's called you to do, because you're never going to make those people happy. Yeah. And and they don't yeah. want ministry. They want babysitting. So they want you to listen to their problems all the time, but they don't want you to tell them what the Bible says, and they're not willing to do it. So they're going to continue to have those problems.
0: Mm. So
3: you mm-hmm. can either waste your time, you know, uh, going around the same mountain for the rest of your life, or you can go out where the hungry people are unsaved people are not arguing about grace. They just don't yeah. want to go to hell.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah.
3: Un- I, yeah. I get along much better with unsaved people because I get it. I know why they get stoned. It's the same reason I got stoned. Mm-hmm. I know why they sleep around. They're looking for love. I was looking for love, too, until I gave my life to Jesus and found out how much he loved me. Mm-hmm. You know, sp- so I get that whole thing. I understand why sinners sin, you know. And I everything I've done since I gave my life to Jesus in 1980 mm-hmm. was not, I, I don't do it for Christians. Uh, our little Bible study that we do on the video, and you've seen them, Church on the Run. It's for we do it for the unchurched. We aim everything we do to the unchurched and the unsaved, even Great. though any Christian that studies the Bible to show himself approved, and that's what we're trying to do. I'm a teacher. I teach in churches, John, but I'm a, I'm a student teacher. That's what when the Lord called me out of the band and called me to teach, He said, I'm calling you to be a student teacher. You'll teach what you know and learn what you don't. And I'm a mm-hmm. 70-year-old student of the mm-hmm. Word of
2: God. Wow. Well, wow, that's wonderful. Well, so you have always, so then you, you, in your head, you're always conscious. You're always conscious of non-Christians. So those are the people that you really love and that you really care about. Well, uh, I really love Christians, to to. too. Well, I, know I that, mean, that, I love I
3: Christians. That. I just don't try to placate them.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: You know, um, Christians who really love Jesus love you and they love me. You know, God is love. And the more that people grow up in God or grow up in love, those people are, they, they're they slower to anger. They're quicker mm-hmm. to forgive. They are more gentle. They're kinder. They're more patient. They have self-control. They're faithful people. You know, those people are easy to love and easy to get along with. And I, I love ministering to them, and I love them. But... Jesus said, "Leave, you know, if one sheep gets lost, leave the ninety-nine that are safe,
2: mm-hmm.
0: go get
3: that one."
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I'm always looking yeah. for that one.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, we're uh, at the catch. We talk a lot about. Um, well, we have, we have two phrases we use a lot, and um, I'm going to just
0: uh,
2: tell you one of them at a time, and Please. I would just love. I would love you to just talk off the top of your head. What's a, what? What does that say to you? What's the first thing? For, you know, what do you think of? Uh, because cool. one thing we like to talk a lot about is what we call the gospel of welcome. What is it? What does a gospel of welcome say say to you?
3: Well, man, I mean that's 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 the whole bottom line on the gospel. God, Jesus, God so loved the world that the whole world is welcome into his kingdom he, mm. he he so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son and that's why me and you are friends i mean that's the only reason we're talking tonight it's all mm. about jesus it is it is all because god loved everybody and he's never said no to anybody anybody who's ever asked god for forgiveness god's never said no
0: mm. he's
3: he's mm. never refused he's never He's never said no to anybody who repented of any mistake they've ever made. God's never turned anybody away. Welcome completely, anybody and everybody. And everybody gets, you know, I I had a guy at a prison recently tell me, you know, God's in control, and I just don't understand why he put me in prison. I said, what are you in for, man? He said, murder. I said, well, that might be a clue. You know, you might be on to something here, bro. We uh, God, and first of all, God's not in control. If God was in control, everybody would be born again. The Bible plainly states that He wishes that none should perish, but right. all should have everlasting life. If He was now, He can take control if He wants to, but He has given everybody a free will, and mm-hmm. anybody that wants to can choose to trust God and enter into his kingdom, and walk in the light, and enjoy his presence. And in his presence, John, as you know, there is fullness of joy. In the presence of God, it's impossible to be depressed. (laughs) Fullness of joy. And that's the welcome, Matt. Man, I mean, God is basically saying, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm in love with everybody. Give me a chance to prove it. Just let mm-hmm. invite me into your life and let me show you how merciful and how kind, how quick to forgive I am. I'm not angry at anybody. I'm in love. This all began. I sent my son because of love. And everything God does in our lives is motivated by how much he loves us, which is beyond what you can comprehend. The love mm-hmm. of God is far greater than what we can intellectually take in. It's amazing what the Lord has done for me. For instance, he cast my sins. John, I'm glad you don't know what I've done, brother. You probably wouldn't invite me to talk on the (laughs) block tonight. (laughs) But God does know everything I've done. And he cast all my sins into a sea of forgiveness. He not only forgave me, he's never brought them up.
0: Mm.
3: And Mm. he treats me, God treats me, As if I was Jesus. Jesus took on himself what I deserve and gave me what he deserves. And now I'm a child of Almighty God. And instead of going around the rest of my life as an ex-junkie, I get to go around as a child of God, a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ that walks in a grace and an anointing that is beyond any ability I would ever have to help people. I mean, I got nothing but he's got everything. Yeah. Wow! and as, wow. and as soon and as you know, as soon as I submitted what I control in the natural realm to God, he put his super on my natural.
0: <laughs>
3: and has extended the grace of God into my life in such a way that causes me to be able to help others. That's that's the the welcome mat, man. I yeah. don't know that's well, what I got.
2: So That's so good, and you beautifully have actually led led yourself right into our next phrase, which is grace turned outward. Grace turned outward. Sure. What what does that say to you?
3: Well, as you know, we're saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. In other Mm -hmm. words, grace is is God doing everything. You, you. When somebody gives their life to Jesus, according to His Word, when you trust and receive Jesus and invite Him into your life, He comes into your heart by His Spirit, and according to the Word of God, your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the grace of God comes to live in you, and He starts working on you from the inside out. The grace of God, and and by the way, and you already know this, but I mean we're talking to other folks too. The grace of God is God, when God puts his grace on your flesh, then your flesh can accomplish that which it couldn't without the grace of God in your life. And of course you receive that grace by faith. If you don't believe God is honest, you won't ever get the grace. God wrote a book called the Bible, and it is the truth and the truth will set you free, if you believe it. If you don't believe it, then it's just a book. It's just a book about God, and there's lots of them. And some of them are about Muhammad, and some of them are about Allah, and some of them are about Buddha. And, and there's a, but there's one that is the truth, and it's got the power of God in it. And you release that power by believing it and speaking it. And that grace comes by faith, and it's it's free. The grace to be healed, the grace to be saved, mm-hmm. the grace to be wise, the grace to be humble. The, whatever you need, the grace to be merciful to somebody who's done horrible things to you.
0: Mm-hmm. God will, oh, yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, he'll give you the grace to forgive people that haven't even asked you to forgive and never will. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'll he'll give you. The grace to be a Christian. But it starts like you said from the inside out and um and there's no such thing as too much of it. Yeah. You know. I'm I'm yeah. so thankful that
2: uh, well, and you find, Milan, that you have it not only grace for yourself but then you have it for other people you have oh, it for sure. those around you have it for those around you and uh sure. you see them do you, do you think you see them in a different light does that change
3: Is it? i think you totally do i mean you you yeah. have to i think there's a dog in the uh, recording studio <laughs> <laughs> To deal with it No problem <laughs> um, well, That's what we well, get That's
2: what we get With home Home recording Here <laughs>
3: you <know>? Oh man Oh, <laughs> uh, You're going to have to Ask me the question again John I got tickled I'm sorry I lost my train that's of thought That's
2: okay That's okay We're talking about How we see how that, how that grace Works its way out To other people And the way <laughs> we see people and, and you know Do we become you see i found I've found that That if 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 I've really received that that grace, that free forgiveness, I have to give that to everybody. I, I have to be merciful for everybody, and and it, sure. it becomes it becomes impossible for me to judge someone else for whom Christ died. You know how how mm-hmm. can you how can you do that? You know, I, I, and that's that's what that's what I've found happens to be and takes care of that sense of condemnation and judgment that I think sometimes a lot of Christians get drawn into. Um, sure. But boy, when, well, when if
3: you, it, some,
2: yeah, religion
3: teaches us that we keep the law and then we can be proud of the fact that we discipline ourselves. But grace is exactly the opposite. I didn't, I don't deserve grace. I didn't earn it. I have done nothing to accomplish, you know, to be holy in the sight of God is a gift because of grace God has given us. In fact, the Bible says he that knew knew no sin, Jesus, became sin so that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now that's that's totally accomplished by grace. Everything, uh, Psalm 103 says, one of the Uh, You know, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. And then he starts, and, and forget not all the benefits. And God starts listing the benefits of being his child. He starts out with, he forgives all of our sins. He heals all of our diseases. He lifts us out of the pit. Those are things that he does, he... He crowns our head with love and kindness and tender mercy. He fills our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagle. Those are things that are done that we don't deserve. We certainly no. haven't earned those benefits. Those benefits are given to us because God is good and he loves us. And he decided before we were ever born in our mother's womb that he decided to be merciful to us and to give mm. us grace grace. And it is sufficient, man, for whatever we need yeah. it for. Yeah. It is. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's wonderful. Well, um, tell us, Milo, now tell us a little about what you're doing now. And, um, uh, you know, tell us about the. I, I want to know about the, the traveling speaking stuff. And, uh, and then I also really want to know about this uh, church on the run. That's a cool thing. Tell
3: well, us you know. I am uh, just in a different city every weekend, you know, I'm, sometimes I'm in Canada, and Rome or London or Moscow, you know, I go, but mostly in the United States, and um, mm-hmm. I'm just out, I go wherever I'm invited, and because of the music, I get invited to all different denominations, you know, I got a few feet of hair, so I don't get invited to real conservative places always, but, uh, you know... <laughs> So are, you still, are
2: you still singing are you still singing when you go
3: you know i had to quit everybody wanted me to sing and testify and god called mm-hmm. me to teach his word so i just stopped doing that it was pretty amazing to me i mean you know once the band did pretty good you know how contemporary christian music is when we first started out you were back there in the early days I mean, yeah. you didn't get paid much. You stayed at the Motel 6. I mean, the yeah. the the, uh, the towel was so thin, a band with a lot of <laughs> hair, you know, one shower and the towel was soaked. I mean, you know. <laughs> but as things went on, we sold more and more records, and the crowds got bigger, and it got to the point where, you know, we could go to Disney World and get hundred grand for 45 minutes. And then God called me out of the that thing that we refer to as a contemporary christian ministry mm-hmm. that was 1993 and we were headlining okay. most we were headlining a lot of christian festivals by then and god was really we're selling you know we had a lot of number one records and, mm-hmm. and good airplay and all that stuff but when god called me to teach he told me i want to be your only source i want you to live By faith alone. He said, your whole life you've been an entrepreneur, you've you've sold T-shirts and tickets and records and whatever. Ah. He said, I want to be your only source. So I started telling, I put the word out, I will come to your church and teach the word of God for a place to eat and, I mean, a place to sleep and something to eat and you receive a love offering for my ministry. Mm-hmm. And I went into shock that year. Trust me.
0: <laughs>
3: Some of those love offerings—they must have hated me, John. It
0: was—it
3: was a unique situation. But you know, you just learn how, and you just—I um, I, had—I had the big machine. You know, we had a—we had a, built a two million dollar ministry center in Atlanta, and we had. 360,000 watts of computerized lighting, we had 60,000 watt digital sound system and a semi and a and a big German double-decker bus and and it was a big machine. And I hmm. took it all down in 93 to go out with my Bible
0: hmm.
2: and
3: nothing else and my wife. Wow. And and go city to city. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm happiest I've ever been. I, 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 It made, you know, it required a lot of, um, it was humbling, which is always good. And mm-hmm. it was uh, an educational, you know, it was an education. It was a learning curve. But um, you can live by faith. You just go and give and you believe and and you give all you got and you believe and you wait on the Lord. And, uh, so I do that. One of the things we're doing that you mentioned, uh, that my ministry does, I wrote a book last year that I'm giving to prisoners. So I'm going into a bunch of prisons. Um, I go in, I don't know whenever they invite me, I go in with a guy named, um, Oh, Mike Barber. He used to be Mm -hmm. a tight end for the Los Angeles Rams, And, um, Mm. uh, and and I just wrote, a my wife wrote a book about my testimony. It's like a big picture book. And, and I give one to the prisoners. It's got like 100 pictures in it. And it's just my testimony, B.C. and A.D. But it tells everything. Most Christian books don't, you know, they tell the good stuff God did after they got born again. They don't tell the bad stuff they did.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: They put them in such a situation mm-hmm. where the devil got a shot at them. You know, the Lord told me, tell them the good, bad, and the ugly. So there's, you know, there's pictures of me getting stoned in there. You probably won't find this book in any Bible bookstores. <laughs> but you will find it in a lot of prisoner's cells because we've got about 19,000 cool. of them born again. And, wow. um, um And so that book is called Live Forever.
0: Yes, and forever.
3: um okay. Yeah. And we just, we sell it to the Christians, and my deal with the publisher is, instead of giving me royalties, every time he sells one of the big books, the coffee table books, then they give me a small book, the one that I give to the prisoners. It's a smaller one, and it's a paperback, because the wardens won't let you give a hardback book to the prisoners. Uh And um, so it's just full of the Scripture and what God did for me. I mean, Satan's defeated by the blood of the Lamb, which... Jesus provides the blood of the lamb of God and, and I provide my testimony. So, um, and the other project we're doing this year is this church on the run. I get on my motorcycle and I go all over the world, all over the United States. We've, we filmed them skiing in Canada. We've filmed them on the beach in Maui. Uh, I've got a church. I minister over in uh, Hawaii. So wherever we go, when there's pretty places, or we get on our bikes. We've gone to Grand Canyon. We've gone up the coast of California from mm-hmm. San Diego to Vancouver. I mean, we've the Redwoods. We've done Monterey, Sausalito. Um, uh, we went over through the valley from San Francisco to uh, Yosemite. Yeah. Uh, through the Redwoods. I mean, we just go Beautiful. find the prettiest places we can find. We're just never in a church. Again, everything we do is blue-collar, everything, all ministry that we do is for the, mm-hmm. it's like three minutes a day, three scriptures a day, and Church on the Run is quick, it's short and sweet. It's, it's a, instead of reading a devotional, it's a rock mm-hmm. and roll devotional. It's when you watch on your cool. phone or your tablet or your computer, but uh, it's a digital devotional, and it will rotate every day until Jesus comes on every digital device that's ever created. We got about 300,000 people watching now and it's been out about cool. 6 months. Our goal is to get 300 million. So uh it's wow. free and it is cool. It the editing is really quick. Our we we found some young editors that are really creative and um you know, it's it's like a video game. We got filters, and and it's just some cool. You know, we 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 um. There's constant movement. It's short and sweet. But if you mm-hmm. stick with me for a year, I'll walk you through the New Testament. Uh, that's cool. Fantastic.
2: How do we get? Uh, and they can get that on your website. They can.
3: Uh, you can go you to them, you can go around. to me. You can go to Malin Lefevre on face, or you can go to. Mylon.org, dot org dot m y l o n dot org and you can go to uh Vimeo um Twitter uh Instagram you can get to me from all of those or the easiest thing to do if you have an Android phone you go to Play Store, if you have a uh Apple phone you just go to the App Store and type in search Mylon dot org. And my app will come up, and it's a free app. You download the app, and then Church on the Run will be the first thing up every day. And also, you give you an itinerary of where we are in the world, and it will give you, you know, I, I have constant teaching on there that's free, and we do church services all over the world, and we stream them on there for free. And so, there's all kinds of music playing every day. It's uh, uh, broken heart cool. music, you know. Yeah, just a rock and roll yeah. devotional. It's it's a lot of fun. And a lot of people, John, that you would know, old rocker buddies, mm-hmm. um, like Carrie Livgren or uh, you know, the drummer for uh help me, the drummer for Billy Joel is a Christian now. Ah, Prince, his old guitar players are Christian now. Just a lot of my old rocker buddies. Uh, Elton John's guitar player loves Jesus, man. Uh, Caleb Quay. And then I got guys like my son-in-law, Peter Furler, from the Newsboys. I got Mm -hmm. guys that go on there and do them for me, like the guys in Third Day or Skillet. A lot of the young Christian groups uh, are coming and doing guest spots for me on there. So... You know so you you get to see a lot of other uh christian rockers or or Christian musicians on there
2: yeah, it's fantastic. we'll have to really look into that and encourage our encourage our listeners to do that as well that's myland uh that's w dot dot org that's pretty easy right that's, wow that's fantastic, okay.
3: May I say one? I know we're running out of time, John, but let me say one last thing, please.
0: Please. All this
3: talk about me or my ministry and you allowing me to say what I think, I really appreciate that. You've been so kind and honorable, and I appreciate it. But if I could say one thing, if somebody's listening and I could have any influence in your life, I would just like to say that if you want to enjoy getting to heaven is one thing and everybody nobody wants to go to hell but the will of god is for you to enjoy being a christian god loves his kids and he does not like the devil stealing your peace or your joy or your health or your marriage mm. your vision your dreams your hopes he does not there is a thief that comes to steal and his name is satan and he'll steal and destroy and kill anything that we let him. But Jesus said, I have come. And John 10:10, 10, 10, he said, I've come that you'd have life and life more abundantly, the good life, the best life there is. And I believe with all my heart that the key to having that good life is studying the word of God every day. That's why I've spent a half a million dollars on this church on the run, and I'm only halfway there. I've only got 240 of them done. And I'm giving them away. I'm not trying to sell them. I'm just trying to help people to understand the truth that will set you free. If you'll read the Bible every day and let God talk to you, he had that book written because he loves you Mm -hmm. and he wants to bless you and he wants to teach you uh, a way of thinking and talking and acting and living and reacting that is the best quality of life for you and everybody around you. And Amen. I believe the word of God is the key to that.
2: Amen. Whoa. Milan, fantastic. Yes sir. Can't thank you enough. This was so great. And I look forward to um I look forward to some more. We're gonna have another we're gonna have another uh uh conference call with our musicians cool. here pretty soon. So I'll let you know about that. But oh. um thank you so much for being with us
3: tonight. Oh, and, thank uh, you, brother, for inviting me.
2: Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna keep in touch, okay, and keep encouraging each other. We really need it.
3: And, All right, John. Yes, say, we do, man.
2: Okay, my brother. Take care.
3: God bless you, sir. Thank you, Oh,
2: Gunner. You there?
3: Yeah. Is it over?
2: This <laughs> guy. Yeah, I'm waiting for Gunner, my friend, my 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 producer. Okay. He, he okay. Took a hike. Did I go too <laughs> long? No, you didn't. No.
3: Yeah, I mean, Gunner was in there in the beginning. I never heard from him again. I thought, whoa, what happened? <laughs> of course, you ask me questions. I just go forever, you know, so maybe no, that no. i I
2: know. I know. No,
3: that's well, okay. That's okay. You know, I took we were, a lot of drugs before I got saved, and my and my, um, my answers aren't very short. I'm a rambler, so sorry. I love it. I love it. All right, buddy. Let me know uh, any way I can be a blessing to you, John. Okay, Mullen. Thank you. You're a good man. I appreciate you, buddy. See you.
2: You too. You too. Good night.